0: Hello, I'm Scott Sachs. I'm Eben Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast where. Where. Eben. Where. Not he, but we. We.
1: Man. It's the worst
0: explore the big money issues. He's in the down world the bar. He's down sports. today. We,
2: we went down for our little cereal run yeah. that we did. He's he's not himself today. He's he's it's a Monday doldrum for Evan. <laughs> What's the matter, man?
1: I'm feeling great. Yeah. You, you <laughs> I feel Cap- fantastic. Miss Captain Marvel over the weekend. You know? <laughs> I did miss Captain Marvel
0: oh, over see, the weekend. That's what it is? <laughs> we will begin with uh New York Knicks owner James Dolan caught on video reacting to a heckler following yet another loss for his team. TMZ Sports was the first one to post the video. Here it is.
1: Sell the team! You think I should sell Sell the team? You want to not come to any more games? Why? That's rude. It's an opinion. No, it's not an opinion. And you know what? Enjoy
2: watching them on TV.
1: Uh, Dang. You think I'm in a bad mood this morning? (laughs) I don't don't own a $4 billion asset. I
2: would... Exactly. Uh, I would, if I was Dennis Potvin... Former New York Islanders captain and great, okay. who is still
0: jeered at MSG.
2: <laughs> Pot Van sucks, they scream. So if the barometer is that's rude, I think you need to inject the eject the entire crowd at Madison Square Garden when they're making that chant. That's rude to Dennis Potvan, is it not? I mean, look, hold on. First, yes.
0: Oh, just like, come on, Jimmy, come on! I mean, you you know that the man is there. You know Mr. Dolan's right there, and just because you
2: think you're a fan... Wait, is he taking Dolan's side on this? Well... I think he might
1: be. He
2: He didn't curse. He He wasn't vulgar. He wasn't anything. That is what fan is about. It's about a rational emotion. Sell the team. The team is not doing well, has not done well. He's heard it a thousand times. You know what would have been better for Jimmy Dolan? You know what would have been better?
0: I know. You're going to say, say nothing.
2: No. Come on over. Chat with the guy and say, you know, we're really, we really appreciate. It. It's that kind of passion that really makes our fans the best. We're trying, man. It <laughs> this hasn't is been New great. York, it tr- man. We're gonna Come do it better. It's, but it's Jimmy Dolan. No, but, if he, but I'm saying, if you if you do that, not only do you cement this guy's spot as as a Knicks fan, he'd never yell it again. He's like, oh, you know what? Dolan's not so bad. But what you- are you gonna do? So what? That's what sports is. He if he had given an f bomb, get out. Had he done something crude, get out. Sell the team? Come on.
0: Look, I remember when I went down to see uh, the Tigers play in Lakeland, Florida. And you know how great the Tigers are, man. They've had a season. And And Sparky
2: Anderson was smoking on the side and you said what? (laughs) I, you know I said look you know, and do they you know lost. Who Anderson is by the way. Abby? Yes. Okay. I
0: do. Yeah. They lost and and I did as a fan. They didn't know me from Adam. I just simply said, "Hey, hey guys, go back and get them next time." Yeah. And now I will admit like, you know, one player looked at me like, you know, that's, t- that's entirely to too rational. That's too entirely rational. <laughs> too rational response for a sports fan.
2: No, I mean, look. <laughs> good job, good effort, kid, right? Yeah, I mean, I, the blue, yeah, has yeah, has Jimmy Dolan ever been to the blue seats in his own building? That's ru- I mean, it's rude? That place is downright crude. Forget rude. Let's add the C. MSG, the Blues, can be crude. And he's tossing a guy for sell the team? I know he doesn't want to hear it, but that is not how you treat your fans.
0: He was in a bad mood, I will admit. But still, come on, man. It don't don't taunt somebody, man. It's, I mean, I'm saying to the fan, just yes, it's a bad season, but anyway, moving right along. This one's a little more serious. Uh, let's talk about the entire U.S. women's national soccer team. They are suing the United States Soccer Federation, arguing for equal pay. Team member Becky Sauerbrunn says the U.S. is behind when it comes to the treatment of women athletes.
1: You're very much fighting for gender equality and pay equality, and so I think you see that in other federations that are also asking um, for what they feel that they deserve. A very strategic move here by the by the women's uh, Ta- soccer timing. team. Uh, it came the, the the lawsuit was filed on International Women's Day uh, and came about three months before the first ball is kicked in the in the Women's World Cup, uh, which is in France this summer. Uh, taking kind of a page out of the U.S. women's ice hockey book, right? They they they, they started their big equal pay. Push a few months before their world championship, they ended up getting not all of, but most of what they wanted. Ended up playing in the world championship uh, and winning a gold medal, I believe. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a strategic move, a leverage move by the U.S. Women's National Team heading into you know the biggest couple months of their calendar every four years, um, trying to get equal pay.
2: Bar, you know what I've been told by by some folks, the Department of Sanitation. Every time the contract runs up, runs out, you know the big sticking point in the next negotiation. When will the contract expire? And can you figure out why? Well, that no, no I cannot figure out. Because why. garbage doesn't stink in the winter and people don't get angry. Uh, if the contract uh, is ends in June and people's trash is piling up and it stinks, that means the collect the union has more leverage in the renegotiations. It seemed, is, I mean it, this is a timing leverage (laughs) this is all about the leverage and the timing of you've got the world cup coming up you cannot have the u.s women on the sideline
1: and the world cup ends up being as we saw four years ago now when they won that World Cup, it was in Japan, I believe. Yeah. You know, it was a, a huge deal. The the ratings went, went through the roof. And when they came back to the U.S., they did a ten a ten city tour, I think. Yeah. Uh, and those games vastly made a lot more money than the men's the men's uh, friendlies do, right? So so that winning the World Cup turns into a tremendously lucrative proposition for U.S. soccer as a whole. Uh, And in a way that is, you know, even more generates more money than the men's games, right? So, so this is—it's not just about the World Cup itself. It's also about, you know, if they win this, there is a a barnstorming tour across the the U.S. that will happen. um, That is that is worth more to U.S. soccer than than almost any of the men's games, uh, regardless of what's going on in their calendar.
0: You know how this is a big topic because my wife follows this, and I messed up over the weekend. No. I said something. Yeah, it was. It, she was. She she talked about this story, and she was not. You know, she obviously she was worked up about it. So wasn't we're having watching, it. She was. We were watching a TV show, and I'm not going to mention that we were talking about the show Hazel. Okay, and the, one of the stars of the show, Don DeFore, was in a, another episode, and she says, "Who is that guy?" I said, "Well, that's Don DeFore. Uh, he was the star of Hazel." And she said, "Oh, really?" Because I thought the star of Hazel was Hazel. Was Hazel. That's exactly what she said, Shirley Booth. So, uh, you know, I'm people get worked up, oh,
2: and yeah, I you, blame you, you took the long route, but you got there. I, it took <laughs> me a while to get there.
1: <laughs> there are some there are some interesting <laughs> folds to kind of how this may play out. Um, there's different ways to look at the revenue that they generate, but but the men certainly do seem to generate more money than the women. You know, the, the counterclaim to that is that you know the women might generate more if they were given the same opportunities uh, that U.S. soccer gives the men. Um, there's also different structures in how the team contracts work. You know, the, the men are played on paid on a per game basis. Women are given you know essentially a, an, an annual salary um, and then little bonuses when they win. Uh, there's also... also... So you know, questions about equal pay for equal work. The men's team, you know, doesn't play as much as the women's team does. Uh, So there's a lot of folds going on here. Um, But I think you're right, Scott. I think when it all comes down to it, just the fact that the Women's World Cup is coming up, the fact that, you know, we've seen... Companies like Nike and Adidas have stepped up to the plate in terms Big of paying push. women more. Women's sports is becoming a valuable piece of marketing across the United States and probably abroad. All of this is going to coalesce uh, into, into, into the perfect timing, I think, for, for U.S. women's soccer.
2: Very hard, as you said. Very difficult to make an apples-to-apples comparison as to how much each generates. But several factors, you just named a couple, certainly on the women's side.
0: We have another court battle to talk about in a landmark college sports antitrust case. Yeah, go. The, Evan loves this. Topic. The lawsuit, he's been that, dying.
1: Yeah, I have, I have a lot of thoughts here. Uh, just to give readers an understanding of what happened, late Friday night in a in a classic Friday listeners, night news listeners, news, drum, read news dump. Read your story on the terminal, listeners. Sorry, guys. Um, multi-platform the multi-platform <laughs> star over here. Let me talk. Um, <laughs> a judge out in California Never gets you at home. So now look how he treats me. Uh, ruled in a, an antitrust lawsuit against the NCA that has been going on for a while. Uh, Jeff Kessler, a lawyer who you know sports fans probably know because he works with. Almost all the unions, uh, he had been arguing that you know NCA rules that limit payment that that schools can give to athletes uh, are any anti- uh, are violations of antitrust. They want a nuanced decision. Um, essentially, what the judge said is that schools are not the NCA cannot cap what schools give students for academic reasons, right? So any benefit that they can tie to academics is allowed. A computer, C- cannot for be unca- You need to buy a laptop. A computer. Let's, say, let's give people the concrete, tutoring. tutoring. Yeah, so, so she mentions right. tutoring, computer, um, there's graduate degrees, uh, internships, scholarships at other institutions, and then, you know, the very vague, and I'm quoting here tangible items not included in the cost of attendance, but nonetheless related to the pursuit of
2: academics. Yeah. So right? people are so, so going stretch it too far. Alabama exactly. and Ohio State are going to offer a lot of exactly. things. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So she did not, she left the NCAA caps in place for non academic stuff. So we're not going to have a free agent market in the way that, you know, Kessler and others have argued for. But, as you said, Scott, within that definition of what is an academic pursuit, there is a ton of vagary and there is a lot to be interpreted. Uh, So, How how about trips to Europe? Yeah, if if I'm a student and I want my parents to be living in a condo in town because they help me with my studies— Is that allowed, right? If I if I want a car so I can drive between practice and class, um, because you know the two things are a mile away and and getting there back and forth is difficult. There's a lot of things in here that are going to be up for interpretation. Um, And the second major question, and this I got into an argument with some people on Twitter on Friday night. Yeah,
2: he's never won a Twitter argument. That's what I love. He's never won one.
1: I think the general thought on this is people don't think that the 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 rich schools in in college sports, the ones that have a lot of money, your Texases, your Ohio States, your Alabamas. Um, they want to be able to give students more money. It, it's part of their competitive advantage when, when you have that much money, you want to be able to use it to attract students, right? Um, and the way they do that now because of the way NCA rules are structured is they build hundred thousand dollar. Training facilities and strength gyms, facilities, the are, whole thing. Are we moving rooms. then towards
2: sort of a different division of the haves and the kind of haves and that's, the have nots? That's
1: how I interpret this, that that now you're going to see your, your richer schools, your richer conferences, <laughs> stretching that definition of academics in every way possible so that the student who is choosing between Ohio State and... University of Ohio in the MAC, right, a, a, a league that doesn't have the money that Ohio State does. Uh, there's a further division of the things that he's offered if he wants to play football uh, in Columbus versus what he's offered if he wants to play football in Athens. Um, that's how I see this playing out, right? So so in my opinion, this is a, it's a landmark ruling because it untethers the... NCAA rules—they no longer apply to every conference evenly, right? And as soon as that is true, as soon as each conference is allowed to, to select its own, um, the, its own amount of benefits that they can give to student athletes, I think you're going to see this division open immediately. I right? can't they're wait gonna, for the arbiter. Who's them.
2: the arbiter of what will and will not be? I can't yeah, wait for and this. that's
1: the great question. And in there, you know, the judge makes it clear that the NCAA can come back with a better definition of what's academic benefits, and, and it can be written yeah. codified <laughs> into into the ruling itself. Uh, and the NCAA
2: um, will appeal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's
1: also worth yeah worth mentioning. The NCAA will appeal. Um, this is this decision is stayed until the appeal works itself out. Um, and this is the same judge that ruled fairly leniently on the Ed O'Bannon trial a couple mm. years ago, and that was appealed by the NCAA, and a lot of her a part of her ruling was scaled back on appeal. Right. So the NCAA is, is clearly hoping that you know this follows that same track. No, which notes
2: no anything. Judge yeah. Claudia Wilkin? Judge Claudia Wilkin. Very I, nice. Uh, you know, yeah. how, When you
1: cover this celebrity much labor, judge, it just sticks in celebrity your head. judge. Uh, yeah, so the NCAA is clearly hoping that, you know, as would happen with with Wilkin's previous decision on O'Bannon, once they appeal this and once they get back, you know, th- th- that this ends up being paired back in, in some sense. But a pretty landmark moment for college sports.
0: Finally, <laughs> this one I've got a lot of feelings about. Finally. Antonio Brown. Oh. You know that wide out. He has made his way out of Pittsburgh. The Oakland Raiders have reportedly agreed on a deal to acquire the disgruntled wide receiver from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is agent Drew Rosenhaus.
2: Antonio had nine great years. Sometimes in life, whether it's sports or business, you have a great relationship, but things happen and you have to move on.
0: And Brown is most certainly moving on to a situation very different than what he had with the Steelers. Now, there was a chance there he could have gone to Buffalo. But uh I guess he said, No, I don't want to go to Buffalo. What I'm not getting in many what why is he upset? Why what what ticked him off? What, Juju Smith Schuster?
2: Ben Roethlisberger? Why do athletes get upset, Michael Barr?
0: Well, but why? I guess I, it's an ego
2: thing, I guess. But you, you play professional. Why do ath- why do professional athletes get upset, Michael? There's one word. <laughs> he I, wanted I, more money. I, this, and, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I will never. You and I can debate this. I will never, ever, ever. And, I'm a, you know, I'm a team guy. you got to behave a certain way, but you're part of a team. I will never, ever, ever side against an NFL player getting whatever he can. I Look, I don't have a problem with him getting the money. But I, there's got to be more to it than this. Of course. I mean... All these so-called experts, former GM's, presidents of teams said there's no way 0000% 0, 0, 0, chance that the Steelers will trade him because they will have a huge cap hit. Yeah. So you're going to have a huge number on your cap for a guy that's no longer there. You must be one Heck of a pain in the rumpus for the Steelers to say, we will ship you out and take the hit. It is addition by subtraction. We do not want you here that bad.
1: And the hit is legendary for folks who don't fully understand the deal. uh, Antonio Brown, one of the best wide receivers in, in the NFL, traded to the Raiders in return for a third round and a fifth round pick, right? That's a, that's, that's nothing. And in addition to that, the, the Steelers are going to eat 21 million, 21.1 million dollars on, on their cap th- this year, right? So that's 11% of the salary cap that they are essentially lighting on fi- they, they can't use it for other things, right? That that's a huge, it's a, it's a record for the NFL, right? There, there's never been this much dead money that a team has eaten poof, for, for a single player. Yeah. It. Poof gone. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, this this worked out tremendously well for Antonio Brown, right? The, and the Raiders. There are people out there that will call him a malcontent. They'll say the way he quit on his teammates, that you shouldn't air your grievances on Twitter and Facebook, et cetera. Uh, at the end of the day, he got a significant Instagram raise. Instagram is for grievances. He got he got a significant <laughs> raise. There's more money coming to him, more guaranteed money. Um, he changed teams, which clearly seemed like it was a goal of his. Yeah. Um, I think if you're Antonio Brown, you're thrilled with this scenario. Um if you're a steelers fan i mean maybe a little bit a little bit less so um but if you look at antonio brown's career just because of the way nfl the contracts are structured you know he has been criminally underpaid almost his entire career um he's getting up there now right he's 30 31 years old something 30, like that get it he's while he's getting can, getting to the end for, of it yeah. um yeah i am with you scott G- get your money and if you can figure out a way to get an extra 30 million dollars guaranteed daugherty said it dude, made
2: 14 kept 7 he's 30 and he's a receiver Take the dough, whatever I, you need to do. I get it. I get make the money, but you signed a contract.
0: Uh, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna get all. <laughs> <about it. laughs> well,
2: well, well, you signed a contract. The team can cut him anytime. That's how. That that's it's so one sided in the NFL. Yeah, yeah as the as contract doesn't does not contract mean much. means nothing. You have he had they didn't have to trade him. He, they just chose to trade him. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and
1: they the Steelers got it, Just to be clear, the Steelers got into this situation where where they have to eat twenty one million dollars of the contract this year because they consistently restructured his deal to create more short term cap space in the meantime. That's called right? kicking
2: the kicking the can down. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and it and it created a situation where now they're you know again they're eleven percent of their salary for next year is just dead given to a player who's playing on a, on an AFC rival. Um, but you know this is a situation partially of the Steelers own making.
0: This is, I'm worked up, this is the Bloomberg <laughs> Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr along with Scott Soshnick
2: and Evan Novi williams We are here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports.
1: Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry.
0: You know what? I'm done broadcasting. That's it. I'm done. I want to be traded. Oh. I want to go to another network. No, I'm, Now you see how I crazy I sound? No.
1: Are Are you one of the best in the world at your position? You're listening to Blueberry Burger Radio around
0: the world and online, (laughs) where you get your podcast.